I want to start off by saying that you need to know that you are all the called of God. This is not applicable only to some of you and not to others. You all have a calling on your life. God has called every one of you and he's called you from birth. And finding that call and living it out is your purpose as a Christ follower. I'd also like to tell you that I know this involves some of the most difficult and challenging, scariest sometimes, and confusing days you'll spend as a young adult trying to figure out the call of God on your life. If I've talked about anything more than anything else, it's about the will of God and the call of God, and if I've entertained more questions from young adults probably than anything else except maybe sex, this would be it. So I'm hoping tonight that what I want to do is speak the truth of Scripture right into your hearts. Now, not all ten points probably will be personally applicable to you, but I'm believing by the Spirit that some of this is going to stick with all of you. Because you are the called of God. You are the called of God. And this is the first one. His voice is not in the fire. This comes out of a story of 1 Kings. Talks about Elijah in 1 Kings 17.1. Elijah goes up to Ahab and says, There'll be neither dew nor rain in your kingdom until I say so. And then he runs off and there starts to be a famine in the land and he goes to the brook. You may know the story. And he's fed by ravens morning and night. And then the brook dries up. And then he heals a widow's son and he causes multiplication to happen in her household. And he does a number of miracles. And then in 18 he calls fire down from heaven. He slaughters 850 prophets of Baal. Then at the beginning of 19, we see the really human Elijah. In 17 and 18, he's the really cool Elijah who shuts up the heavens and calls fire down from heaven and gets ravens to bring him McDonald's. But in 19, we see the really human Elijah when Jezebel, Ahab's wife, says, I'm going to make you like one of my prophets. You'll be dead this time tomorrow. And he runs away and hides in the desert and prays to die. And then God shows up to speak to him. And the Lord said to Elijah, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. Some of you are struggling with the call of God and hearing the call of God because you're expecting God to either speak through the fire or the wind or the earthquake and the Spirit of God is whispering. And he doesn't sound like you thought he would. And the fact is some of you have heard God's voice quite clearly now for quite a long time but you've not recognized it for what it is so you think he's not speaking to you but he has been speaking to you consistently for quite a while. You just don't know as him. Because you have a preconceived idea of how it's supposed to sound. Almost everything I say tonight, some of you will have heard me say before because there's nothing new here. I sat in Halifax Airport this afternoon and said, Lord, I want some points on the call of God. And I did out these ten and a half an hour with an Americano. And I could have done twenty. 
But you've heard me say before, some of you, that your lives are so full and so noisy and so full of entertainment that you couldn't hear God speak because he's still whispering. So the analogy I like to use is that you're all on iTunes or XM or whatever your thing is, and God still is broadcasting back on the AM dial. And you haven't tuned your radios in there for a long time. See, God chases sinners, but he lets the righteous chase him. And God is waiting for some of you to tune in. Of all the noise you're listening to in this life and all the lies you're listening to and all of the entertainment you're using to distract yourself, God is still waiting for you to tune in to the gentle whisper. That's one. God may well call you to that which you least expect. Some of you are going through enormous amounts of stress trying to figure out exactly where you're going to land. Well, I got great news for you. He's likely not going to tell you. He will let you stress it out. And the sooner you embrace that concept, the happier you're going to be. Because all you're doing now is beating your head against the wall and shaking your fist at heaven. And God don't care. He's going to let you be stressed. And I'll tell you why in point five, six, or seven, somewhere down the road. Paul was going to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Who was he dragging off to put in prison? People who are following Christ. Followers of the way. And then in Acts 19, Acts 9, God literally knocks Paul off his horse. And he tells Ananias, this man is going to be my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. And Paul confirms that. He says, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. Do you know why he says that? Because it's so outrageous to think that the Paul who went around trying to slaughter Christians is now an apostle for Christ. So that tells me that God might actually call you to that which you least expect. You're here now, you're 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, and you have what you think is a path forward. Like Paul had a path forward. He was slaughtering Christians. And then he ends up being probably the greatest apostle to Christ there ever was. And that tells me that God could yet call you to something way outside what you're thinking right now. Way outside. And this one is a fact. God may call you into the unknown. In fact, God will guaranteed call you into the unknown. When he calls out Abraham the first time, because he's going to make them him the father of the Jewish nation. Abraham is going to be the father of God's chosen people. When he does that, he starts off by saying this way, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. In other words, leave everything you knew everything you're comfortable with, and go where? Go where I'll show you. Now, for most of you here, that's all he said for you. He said, leave everything you're comfortable with and go where I show you. And where you're stuck right now is, where is it? 
And all you got from God yet is, go where I'll show you. He literally got Abraham to leave home and get on the road, and he said, I'll tell you how to get there when you're on the way. And he's doing exactly the same with almost everybody in this room. Leave home, leave what you know, go get on the road, and I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. Now, does that fly totally in the face of human nature? Absolutely. If you're a person who likes control, guess what? You're in for a rough ride. Jesus is not all about your control. He's all about his control. And see, you're a Christian. That means you are a follower of Jesus. Right? Theoretically. Church is full of people who are not. But theoretically, that's what that means. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, friends, then that means that he is actually in control of your life because you have given him back the only one thing you have of value, which is you. And in exchange for that, he says something profound like, leave home, I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. And most of you in this room right now are on that road and it's scary and it's a little bit confusing and you're in a little bit of panic and you don't like it all that well. And I'm happy to tell you that's perfectly normal because that's how God rolls. Four. This is great news. You will suffer. Jesus did not come to spare you from suffering. In fact, he promised you would. Now, the reason I talk to you like this is because I think you, you are owed somebody telling it to you straight. And this is the straight truth. If you're going to follow Christ, you will suffer as he did. That's a fact. Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. When I was your age, I had that underlined in my Bible, and that's where I stopped. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection because I wanted to raise the dead. But I didn't like the next passage, so I never underlined that. And participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Do you know how you get the power of his resurrection? You go through the fellowship of his sufferings. That's how this thing works. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that some of you are suffering right now and you don't know why. The reason you're suffering now, friends, is because you are identifying with Christ. And the really great news about your suffering is that it's through your suffering in Christ that you are attaining the power of his resurrection. The purpose of suffering is power as I'm going to bring out a little more in a minute. Philippians 1.29 says, It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And so you need to know that he will also test you. See, we get this wonderful story here where Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan. 
One of my favorite stories, you've heard me say, the whole trinity shows up the same time. But you need to know the very next thing that Mark says, at once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Not only was he tempted, he was sent by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. He was sent to be tested. Now he was full of the Holy Spirit when he was sent. He had just been baptized when he was sent, and he was given power to overcome the test. But you need to know you will be tested. Now some of you are going through some tests right now in your life and you don't know why. Well, I have good news. Hebrews clearly tells us God disciplines those he loves. If you feel like you're going through the test, the Bible actually says that's a sign you're a child of God. Because he disciplines those he loves, those he treats as sons and daughters. He will test you. Peter says, you can rejoice. Though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, can result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He goes on in chapter 4 says to say, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that is coming upon you. Some of you feel like life has bottomed out for you and you're wondering what you did wrong. And I want you to know it's entirely possible you've not done anything wrong. God is testing your faith. Remember we started off talking about Elijah in 17 of 1 Kings? He goes to Ahab and he says there'll be neither dew nor rain in the kingdom until I say so. And then he goes by a brook and the ravens feed him. Well, you know the next thing happens, right, is the brook dries up. Now, some of you are in a place right now where your brook is dried up and you're desperate before God and you don't understand why. Well, you need to know Elijah's brook drying up wasn't a sign that he had wandered from God. His brook drying up was actually a sign that he was in the will of God because Elijah dried his own brook up. Because when you say there's not going to be rain, after a while the rivers don't run. And some of you are in a place now of great trial and great testing, and you need to know it's not because you've drifted, it's because you've been faithful that you're there. Because he's getting you ready. And the very worst thing can happen to you is that you suffer for the wrong reason. Nothing worse than suffering and you don't know why. But these have come so that your faith can be proven like gold. Because number six, as many of you have heard me say, God is way more interested in who you're becoming than what you'll be doing. And at your stage in life now, most of you are focused on what you'll be doing. It's natural. Where am I going to go? Who am I going to work with? What am I going to be up to? Who will I minister to? Where will I live? Who will I marry? Well, I got good news for you. God's not nearly as worried about that. God is worried about getting you ready so that wherever he puts you, you will thrive for the kingdom of God. 
And the reason why you're being tested like this and the reason why life has been so difficult for some of you lately is because God is getting your characters ready so no matter where you go, you will thrive. Because he's way more concerned about who you are becoming. Because we do this thing backwards, see? We're all about where am I going to be? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to be in children's ministry? Am I going to be in youth ministry? Am I going to be in business? Am I going to be a nurse? What am I going to do? And God is stopping you and saying, let's talk about who you are. Because if you get the who you are figured out, it doesn't matter what you do, you will hit it out of the park for the kingdom. But you need to hear me when I say this growth in who you are doesn't come in the happy times. It comes in the struggle. And that's why some of you have prayed and said, God, pull me out of this, and he hasn't. What he's done instead is given you grace for today. And tomorrow he'll give you grace for tomorrow. But he's not rescued you. Have you noticed that when you've prayed? He hasn't rescued you because he's watching the transformation of your character. The called people sometimes forget in the darkness what they heard in the light. There's a wonderful story here, John the Baptist. Remember, he has Jesus in the Jordan River. He's the one who's holding the second person of the Trinity in his arms when the first person speaks and the third person drops down. That's a revival service. When the Trinity shows up to your water baptism, you're having a good time. The only time in the Bible I know of where the three of them show up the same time. And John sees this because he's there with the Son of God in his arms. But not very long after, the Bible tells us when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect another? Isn't that amazing? You go from watching the Trinity show up and the Father to say, this is my Son, to sending your disciples to ask Jesus, are you actually the one? Now, I don't know what more John wanted. Maybe a plane flying in the sky with a banner too. But you know all that happened to him and it's happened to almost everybody in this room. You've forgotten the darkness, what you heard in the light. How this works out in your life is really, really simple. Maybe you're 14 years old and you're at a youth camp somewhere and the Holy Spirit of God in a moment of light spoke something into your heart. But since then, it's gotten dark where you are and now you're not sure you ever heard God to begin with. If that's you, you're exactly like John. You could do worse. Because you're forgetting in the darkness what you hear in the light. And what I want to tell you tonight is that even tonight, the Holy Spirit will remind some of you what you heard in that moment of light. Because some of you have started to believe that what you heard was a lie. And of course, that's how the devil works. He comes along and he says, you never really heard that. He started it off in the garden when he said, did God really say? And he's done it to some of you. Because some of you have been called to something that's pretty amazing. And ever since that moment of light, the enemy has been pitched on your shoulder and he's been saying to you, did God really say? 
And now because you're in a moment of testing, getting your character ready for the thing that he called you to, it feels a little bit dark where you're to. And now you're questioning, are you the one or is there someone else to come? You need to go back and remember what you heard in the light because that's God's promise to you. And it doesn't waver no matter where you find yourself today. Don't forget in the darkness what you heard in the light. I want to tell you that greatness comes through humility. Greatness comes through humility. Jesus said, you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you want to be least, you want to be first, you're going to have to learn to serve. I can't express to you how countercultural Jesus' teaching constantly was. If you want to be powerful, be powerless. If you want people to praise you up, be humble. And then he said, if you're faithful with little, one day you'll get to be faithful in much. But if I can't trust you with little, I can't trust you with much. Here's how this spins out. It spins out that you get called into some kind of area of influence or ministry where you've got just a small little group around you. But in your heart, the thing you heard in the light was big. Maybe you've pictured yourself talking to 200 broken children. But what you got around you now is a little ragtag group of five. And you're not given the five your undivided attention and the things they deserve because all you can think about, you're aiming towards the 200. What God would say to you is that if you don't properly care for the five, I will never let you speak to 200. You know how David learned to throw a uh, rock that would take down Goliath? By taking care of sheep. That's how God got David ready to be the king of Israel, by taking care of sheep. And some of you even right now are stuck taking care of sheep, and you don't like it because you want to be king. He who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. So when God gives you that four or five, pour your absolute heart and soul into them. Because unless you're faithful in a little, you will not actually ever see the much. Finally, you must make your calling sure. This is just a passage I want to read to you. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these... That's God's glory and goodness. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through those promises you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, and I want to leave this scripture to you, hear it clearly. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and affection in love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you don't have them, you're nearsighted and blind, forgetting that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling 
and election. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of all of the things you learn in this place and all of the skills you work on, some of you are working on music, Sawyer's working on magic. You all have your things you're working on to get better. Here's a great list of things to work on. Self-control, perseverance, love, godliness, goodness, knowledge. These are the character type things. Let me break this down for you. It's when you have these character type things that the Holy Spirit then comes along and anoints the talents and the giftings he's got for you so that when you stand on the stage in front of the many, your character is your foundation for the anointing that goes into your giftings that then enables you to have profound influence for the kingdom of God. But if you don't have the character first built in your life, your talents don't matter squat because the anointing won't show up because he can't trust you to excel in the giftings and talents he's given you because your character is weak underneath. And when you get the influence, the pride will go to your head and you will fall. If I had a mic, I'd drop it. And finally, it's not all about you, but it is all about you. So even while I'm telling you to work on your character, and even while I'm telling you to make your calling sure, I want you to know this. Paul says, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God. You are in a partnership with God on this thing. God extends his grace, you accept. God leads you into holiness, you make wise decisions. You get up and you devote yourself to the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added onto you. So if you're one of these people that right here now is chasing the all these things, you need to stop because you might grab one of them, but you'll never get the kingdom. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things get added to you because that's his promise and his gift. But you are responsible for your priority and you are responsible for your passions. And we partner with God in this. I get up every day to be passionate about the kingdom of God and to seek the kingdom of God, being confident that he who began a good work in me will carry it through to completion. Because even while I'm trying to make good decisions, the Spirit of God is working it out in me. So it's all about you, but it's not all about you. And a bonus one for those of you who are struggling. Some of you feel like this. We have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know what this means? This means that God partners with human weakness. This means that God partners with screw-ups. In fact, God's preferred partnership is with screw-ups. Hear me clearly. 
God has not chosen the wise and the powerful of this world, but God has chosen the weak and the foolish. God is not using you and holding his nose while he's doing it because you're such a screw-up. God's preference is to partner with the broken and the messed up because only they really know the power of the grace of God. Because Jesus says, I never came for the righteous. And that's sarcasm. I came for the broken. So you know the reason God puts his treasure and puts his power in you, even though you're so messed up? It's so that when God shows up in somebody else's life through you, they don't think it was you, they know it was him. Because you know the greatest tool most of you have for ministry is your own pain. The thing that you fight so much about, the thing that you ask God to remove so often is your actual greatest tool for ministry because it's your pain and your suffering that's going to let you connect with a world that's full of pain and suffering. So don't run from the things that God has sent to make you strong. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed and confused, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can also be revealed in us. And all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we may look like we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And here's the point. And if you miss this point, you'll miss the point. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I want to leave you with this challenge. Some of you really need to lift your eyes up. Some of you are wallowing in the temporary. Some of you are consumed with the temporary. You're consumed with the latest fads and trends. You're consumed with what people have said about you or what people think about you. Even people you don't like. You're stressed out because of what they said. Who cares? You don't like them anyway. You wouldn't want to be like them anyway. If they don't like you, it's probably a good sign. Some of you need to raise your vision because you're trying to serve God, but you're consumed with the temporary. You're consumed with what you can see. And what I'm here to tell you is what you can see is not the point. For yes, we have light and momentary troubles, but they are achieving a glory 
that far outstrips all of them because what is seen is just temporary. But the reason you give your life to Christ and the reason you let him shape your character and the reason you let him call you to unknown places and stretch you and test you is for the eternal. And that glory far outweighs them all. Hooah. And that's it. If you have a question or a cry of pain, I would be happy to entertain them. Anyone? No questions? Those were 11 points on the call of God in your life. You were all somewhere on that trajectory. Yep. That's the number one question. How do you know if it's a call from God? It's a very good question. Call of God looks like two things in your life. There's an immediate call of God on your life, and then there's what we call the big picture. Okay? The immediate call of God is that you be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You haven't got to wonder if that's God or not. That's what you're called to do. You're called to be like Jesus today. That's it. So things that in you really crucify your flesh, things that are hard on your pride, things that you don't like make you a little bit uncomfortable that shape your character, that's God. In terms of the big picture stuff, which is what we're actually far more interested in, who am I going to marry, and am I going to get married, and where am I going to go, and am I going to make any money, or am I going to have to live with my parents forever? You actually have to live that out. That's a thing that gets born in your heart, in your spirit, and you will hear it, and you will learn to, you actually learn to weigh it out over time. Most of us want God to give us the big picture map. If you're from Newfoundland, you've heard me talk about this all kinds of times, but we want the whole picture for the next 50 years, and God rarely does that. Most times, God says, follow me tomorrow. And so right now you're here, you follow them here. Very soon, you'll, you'll get little snapshots, little senses of the types of things he wants you to do. And you'll get a sense of your next step. And you'll get a sense of your next step. Because God is way bigger on giving you the next step than he is the whole big picture. In terms of hearing God's voice, you actually have to learn to hear God's voice. Believe it or not. You learn to hear your friends' voices. You learn when they call that this is your friend. You didn't know the first time. You'd say, who is this? After they've called 15 or 20 times, if you've been going out with somebody for a year and a half, and they call and you say, who is this? You are going to be in trouble. They're going to say, who you think this is? What other woman sounds like me that calls your number, bro? That's what you're going to get. 
It's very much the same with God. You practice hearing the voice of God. And let me tell you this. You practice hearing the voice of God in the small things, which means when you leave this, you may feel like you should do something. You don't know if that's you or God. You know the only way you're going to know if it's you or God, you're going to have to go be obedient to the thing and see how it works out. You actually practice it. Strange as it sounds. So you feel like you should go do something nice for your friend. You say, it could be me, it could be God, but it kind of makes me uncomfortable. It's certainly not for my glory. I'm going to go do it. And you find out that your friend has been praying and asking God to send somebody along. And in that moment, you know you've heard the voice of God. And you remember it. Most of you are stuck on the voice of God piece. Let me tell you something else. Most of you are not having a problem hearing the voice of God. You're having a problem being obedient to the voice of God. And you won't know for certain clarification and confirmation comes on the other side of obedience, not on this side of obedience. It's once you've taken the step of faith and tried it that you figure out that was actually God. And that's where some of you are stuck. Good question. No simple answer. Anyone else? Yep, you're going to have to shout. What role does fasting play? Well, by the look of me, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> what role does fasting play? What fasting does is it is you intentionally denying your flesh. It's denying things that you want in the body. And you're doing it with a purpose to dedicate yourself to hear from God more clearly. That's really the purpose of it. We know in, in terms of fasting food, there's medical benefits to it and this type of stuff. But the bottom line is that you are taking a step of faith, you're showing your seriousness to, God, seriousness to God about seeking the kingdom first by denying yourself something you want. It's a way of you taking on your own flesh so the spirit gains a little more control in you. Does that make sense? I don't know if you realize this, but the whole process of holiness is basically that you have the Spirit of God living in you, leading you to do good, but that treasure is put in jars of clay, which is not so excited about you doing good. So what's going to happen later on tonight, perhaps for some of you, is you're going to be upstairs and you're going to feel like, I really need to sit and read the Word of God for a while, but you also have your laptop open, that tool of the devil. And you're going to have a little internal battle for three or four seconds about whether or not, in fact, you're going to get the Word of God out and read it or whether or not you're going to go back on social media. What you're doing right now is the process of holiness. Every time you choose for the Spirit, the control of the Spirit and the strength of the Holy Spirit in you gets a little stronger. Every time you choose for the flesh, the flesh gets a little stronger. What fasting does is puts the brakes on the flesh for a little while so that the spirit grows a bit in you. All of the spiritual disciplines are like that. Fasting, praying, giving. Good question. Anyone else? Yes, sir. This, does the call of God ever change on somebody's life? In terms of the general fact, if you're called... Uh, into full-time ministry, for example. Uh, not often does that change. It could. In terms of the details of how that call will flesh out in your life, that change all the time. 
So you may be called for a while, some of you, into one thing, and then God could call you into another. But his general call in terms of your commitment to the kingdom never changes, never wavers. If that makes sense to you. But the details will. But so as you know, God's call will never, ever let you go. He will never, ever let you live for yourself. He will always call you to the Spirit. He will always call you to the kingdom. Anything else? How many of you are confused right now a little bit about the call of God in your life? See how honest you be. Yep, good. Yeah. A lot of you are lying. It's fair. Can I just tell you this? This is not as stressful as we make it. Do you know why we make it so stressful? Because we want to be in control. That's the source of your stress. The source of your stress is you really want to be in control. Now, if you're really godly and the source of your stress is that you don't want to miss God's call, I need you to listen to me for 30 seconds. If you're stressed out that you will miss God's call, let me tell you, you will absolutely not miss God's call. You know how I know that? Because God wants you in his will worse than you want to be in his will. So if your heart is set on the will of God, you absolutely will not miss it because he will not let you miss it. So you can give up that little bit of stress right now. If, however, your stress is coming from the fact that you have a plan for your life and you want to fulfill it, then you're going to have some stress because God's not all about your plan. He's about his plan. That's just how he rolls. And he will break your self-reliance and he will break your self-control and he will break your lack of submission and you might go in for a quick run of it and he may take 20 years to break it because you're really particularly stubborn. But he will unendingly and unceasingly put you in positions where you need to trust him. Because he cares more about your becoming than what you're doing. And can I tell you also this? If you're already stressed out now about what you need to do in a year's time, some of you have heard me say this, you can let that go too. Because God's not going to tell you till you need to know. So if you've got a decision to make two April's time, you can forget about it. He's not going to tell you. You can beat on heaven till your fists are going bloody. He just will not tell you. You know why? Because the minute he tells you, you stop trusting. So you can give that up. That's a waste of your time. You're better off playing Xbox. He's not going to tell you. But when you need to know, you will know. So if you're stressed out now about a decision in September, I just got to tell you, you're going to have to relax. He is just not going to tell you till you need to know. And in the meantime, he'll say, just trust me. Keep coming this way. You're doing great. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Let me pray with you before you go. Stand with me, if you would. Father, for your presence in this place, through the Holy Spirit who indwells the church, we give you great thanks. I pray, O oh Lord, for my friends right here now, many of whom are in the midst of trying to figure out what you've called them to. I pray that the peace of God that passes all understanding would guard their hearts from fear and their minds from worry right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that your voice would be ever clearer to people who are struggling to hear it. 
And I pray, O oh God, for those who have heard your voice but are struggling to be obedient. I pray you would give them courage and clarity of thought and purpose in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray you would dismiss us in your presence with your peace and your joy and with a passion to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. We're going to stop seeking all other things. And we're going to go hard after your kingdom and your righteousness first. And we're going to trust you with the rest. Amen. Thank you, folks. Go with God. If you had any more questions you didn't want to say out loud, you can come find me up here.